Welcome to the Creative Minds Podcast with me, Callum Hughes. Something for your mind. Hello everyone, I hope you're keeping okay, especially with this third lockdown. Just before we start, you can follow the Creative Minds Podcast on Spotify and subscribe on Apple, as well as leaving a review. And yes, I am open to constructive criticism. In this next episode, I'm joined by uh, another very special guest. Tonight's guest is Jack Brabant, who is founder of Birmingham's Digworth Dining Club. Even when abbreviated, DDC is a brand that has become synonymous with this cultural hotspot. It embodies everything the area is about, and it's arguably now the main brand that springs to mind when people mention Digworth. Digworth Dining Club is a multi-award winning street food event that has transformed the city's food landscape by turning some of the Midlands' most unique venues into vibrant street food destinations. Within just a year of starting, back in 2012, Digworth Dining Club had been voted Britain's best street food event and since then has gone on to host events all around the Midlands, establishing itself in the region as pioneers of street food. Digworth Dining Club works with the best food traders around the UK. Every trader is vetted and trialled to ensure the customers not only get a wide range of cuisines to choose from, but at an affordable price too. Digworth Dining Club isn't your usual dining experience. They strip back the frills and fanciness of fine dining and offer an authentic, unique experience where they let the food do the talking. So I'm just going to invite Jack in now. Since October, we've managed to do between twelve and thirteen thousand meals, and then 
obviously we saw them a couple of weeks ago uh, with the, the the meals that were being sent out by um, big business uh, with half cut peppers and tuna in money bags and I think um, start that all off again and um, you know we, we, we all decided well you know what we'll, we'll put our hat our, our name in the hat and say look well we can do a better job and yeah that's not just say it was great and you know it was actually a really lovely way to spend my birthday and um, you know you, you look, not trying to virtue signal anything like but you know seeing people um, you know just just seeing you know people who've been waiting there all day for us to turn up with food and we're trying to get healthy nutritional meals not getting people, you know, we were we were aimed at getting food out to these people, and you know, we had some great support from the likes of Jess Phillips and different like that. And yeah, you know, hopefully we can go off and do some more. I mean, that's the, that's the game, that's the game plan, and it's uh, you know, um, it's, it's, it's it's exciting potential um, to to get traders back doing something as well as feeding feeding kids and doing some stuff for charity. So, you know, let's see how, what comes our way. Yeah, it's, it's, it definitely must be massively rewarding. But that's one thing I did notice, which was really good from the feature, which was well-deserved on Central News. You know, having an MP like Jess Phillips being willing to, to come to the front line and really, like, serve the people that voted her in. And I think it's just... Well, obviously, we probably don't need to go too much into the politics, but, politics, but I think it's really disappointing that, you know, it's kind of left to independent business such as yourselves to pick up the pieces when it should be the government's responsibility no i mean it, the fact is it's like you leave politics out of this i mean you know it's, mm-hmm. it's it's the most important thing is like we're all this this pandemic has been the most testing thing for everyone you know i don't there isn't anyone that hasn't been affected by it and if you haven't well you know you're one of the very lucky few ones but you know Birmingham is going to be one of the cities that is massively affected by this. You know, like you can see the economic effect that's going to happen. And if we can do a bit to help, you know, so be it. I mean, you know, it's we're in a bad position as much as anyone else. Um, but there are people worse off. And if we can do a bit, we'll do it. Yeah, definitely. No, it's great, mate. So with all the guests I have on, I always like to go back chronologically to your childhood and teeny teenage years before the, the DDC vision was even brought to life. So I think it goes without saying most of us love food, but do you come from a hospitality or food background in your family? Not at all. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I mean, you know, uh, my uh, state, you know, my mum, I do most of the cooking if I'm still seeing my mum. Uh, you know, it, it, well, both my parents are journos, so they're both journalists. So, um, I, you know, so that was uh, my background, it was all media. And um, it, that's, that's, that's the upbringing I had. I mean, like my, both my parents were, you know, did, did well in their respective fields. And uh, my dad was a foreign correspondent. So, you know, I got to try a lot of food when he lived abroad. So, you know, that, that was part of it. But honestly, as a kid growing up, I, I couldn't have bothered with food. I was probably like any other normal one. But, you know, as I grew up, I fell in love with food and in particular through my other role, uh, fell into street food and, you know, um, chronic, chronic, well, chronic, well, I can't forget the word now. Um, so it's sort of the, up, the, the upstart of street food in its early, in its early days because I used to run a video production company. And, um, you know, me and my best mate, uh, Mark, um, who's, uh, who's one of the directors of the Nationwide Case Association, so all of our traders, we, they come from there. Yeah. Um, he, you know, I've met him 
and it was one of the first, the first times in England. He was like, look, this, this thing called street food. We've got to go and see it. And I'm like, well, I don't know what street food is. So get our cameras, you know, big old cameras back in those days, back in 2008, 2009. <laughs> so big camera, we'll go down to London and we'd just be filming it and coming back and talking about street food and everyone going, what the hell are you talking about? And um, mm. that was, uh, that was the, it was just, just this crazy DIY punkish scene that was going on the start of like, you know, so street food's been around for years, but the, the sort yeah. of UK, the UK guys of it in its current form was really at the start of like just the end of the early 2000s. So, and that's where it all came from. And to this day, I still love it, still been involved since, you know, like almost its beginning. And um, it's, 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 it's an exciting industry to, to work in. Yeah, definitely. I was really hoping when you said your parents were journalists that they were like food critics and they were like your, big, your biggest critics and they pushed on that you said they were far far <laughs> more respond. Like I was hoping it was going. I unfortunately, my stepfather was the um, was the foodie in the family, but unfortunately, you know, he, he, he unfortunately passed away before this all began, which it's one of my biggest shames that he never really got to see it because he, he would have absolutely yeah. loved it. But that's uh, that's another story. Yeah, I understand from a different interview that I watched. Was it the case that you were involved with something street food related down in London, and you weren't feeling particularly inspired? So you came away from that feeling that you could kind of learn from, not necessarily mistakes, but things that could be improved and then make it better with your own concepts. No, I guess to say I was involved in sort. You know the filming of uh, you know doing it, working with Venkas, the Hyderabad Case Association, um, and we were going out to London City, but there was nothing in Birmingham to, to do. It was all sort of London centric. There was a bit going on in Leeds. Um, you know, there was a small scene in Leeds. There was nothing in Birmingham. We were obviously we were coming back to Birmingham. Like, there was nothing here, and it, you know there was pockets of stuff going on. You know, like there was little markets, but there was anything really sort of to our taste so we, we decided to create our own little thing and that's where it came from and it was what would we like to see down in Birmingham and that was what uh, that's what we that's what we did yeah I think it, it's probably quite fitting then that you obviously you're the promoter but with the venue owners being actively Donald when I had Mikey Brain on previously you might know Mikey who does the yeah. illustration and artwork for, for Hopkins and Paradise he said exactly the same with, with the likes of Lee, you know, the visionaries with the likes of yourselves, Lee, even Will Power, you know, a lot of people within that Digbeth circle saw what other cities were doing and thought, well, why can't we do this as well if they can do it? I think there's that, but I think the great thing about Birmingham is it's, it's full of, you know, people with creative ideas who want to put their own spin in it. And I think I've always sort of believed in the thing that, you know, like, you know, the, the frustration, I think a lot of Brummies had over the years where people were putting us down. And I yeah. believe what we've, you know, like it's, it's created this, this this attitude of, well, we can do it better and we'll do it our own sort of Brummie-inspired way, which is, you know, we've tried to do that. I feel we believe that DDC is a standalone, you know, like we've seen other events sort of do their own thing, but also try to like sort of mimic a lot of what we do. But I don't think you can get that sort of, that thing you get in Birmingham, genuinely. And I think there's, there's a lot of that with the clubs, there's that with... Um, you know, so just with some of the restaurants, everything like that. It's just, it's, but also with everything. We've got our own spirit, and that's what I love more than anything else. Yeah, definitely. I like the point you said there about, um, you know, some people will maybe try and mimic it, but it's that old cliche we're not often imitated, never replicated, where, you know, people might look at your brand and think, oh, you know, we do something similar to that, but 
no one can take that creativity that's in your head. They can try and replicate it, but you can't extract what's in your head. I firm believe in the fat packet ideas, so you know, the right idea in the back of the fat packet, even though I don't smoke anymore. Just pick up the, <laughs> if it, the imaginary fat packet, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like what you said at, at the start, though, about the inspiration behind starting the idea for the pilot for the free school meals, the fact that it was a, a pissed up message. They're often the best business ideas to start when you've, uh, you've had a few too many drinks and you wake up and then all of a sudden you realise you've you created that domino effect and you can't really stop it now. Well, that was DDC from the start. We, we yeah. you know, we, um, it was just a desire to get stuff done and it was all coming up with ideas and we, we had grand plans, you know, in the, in the start and, you know, what it looked like. And we were very lucky that we were given the opportunity down in Big Buff to sort of create and given creative freedom to a degree to, 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 to run with what we were doing. And, you know, it's gone from there. Yeah. With you saying that um, your background was, was mainly media and you're not from a food background, um, after you finished school, did you study media at, at university and then it kind of just organically fell into what it is now? What was your journey through university and career-wise? Uh, well, I was a really crap DJ uh, living in Manchester. Uh, moved to Manchester for university and started doing media technology but realised it was a waste of time because it was all science. So I left about half a day drove my mum mad and said, look, I'm going to quit. She's like, fuck's sake, Jack, you're messing around again. And uh, I said, no, 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 I'm going to swap to politics. And she was like, brilliant, proper to me. <laughs> so I went to politics university. So, because it's, you know, back in those days, there wasn't many medium, like this, this is going back, I started 2002 at university, so I'm, I'm 38 yesterday. So it's a while ago. So there wasn't lots of media courses back in 20 years ago. So, you know, politics and the likes of English were like sort of the classic courses of media. And that's where I wanted to go. And work, you know, once he was sort of in touch with the music industry and that was sort of where I was going. So, you know, like from there, you know, like, you know, went from doing sort of the music based uh, sort of video stuff really. And that was, that's how I fell into a lot of stuff. Just I sort of, I just fell into a lot of things really and just had a go. Yeah. I think that's normally the, the best way that it happens because it's not forced. You, you play your hand at different things and then different doors open, you meet people, and then suddenly you have that bit of a spark and you think, yeah, this is an idea which I think is probably going to work and I'm, I'm going to run with it. I mean, you, know, you know when, um, without going too far forward, um, I know you were saying that um, Dig the Dying Club itself and how um, the vision was brought to life was kind of a, a pissed-up incident, like the, the, the pilot for the preschool meals. Did you think at first that it would ever become what it was today, or do you, did you just think it's a nice idea and I'll run with it and see what happens? It, it, honestly, it was a, uh, it, it's one of those ideas where it's like, well, look, we can do this, you know, add this onto the um, part-time sort of stuff, you know, give it a go, uh, supplement, you know, like, and see where it goes. I mean, like, we didn't know what the... What the the, the take up would be in Birmingham, but we wanted to have a go there, and we, you know, we wanted to create our own thing. Um, it's it really great from there. That's the whole thing. I mean, this, you know, it's it's having a go, I guess. You know, like you don't have a go in life. It's you don't know. I don't want to. I've never been one of those people who wants to sit there and regret not having a go at something. Yeah, no, it is. It is true, definitely. So, oh, I, I know you said you're a Villa fan, so I assume you're Birmingham born, right? Uh, no, no. Uh, no. I was actually born in Northampton, but I mean, my 
grew up here from about the age of four or five. So, uh, um, you know, it's all my, it's, it's all I knew growing up. Yeah. So with you spending the majority of your life here, um, so if you said you're 38 now, so were you kind of mid to late 20s when you started Digba's Diamond Club then? Uh, well, it's into its ninth year now. So it'll be right. nine years since okay. August. So uh, I would have been on just about turn 30. So yeah, yeah. It was a late bloomer idea. Yeah. But with, with you starting it around that age, um, I don't know you that well on a personal level, with your like, contacts and with you growing your network and kind of understanding the landscape of the Birmingham scene and Digbeth, did you spend a lot of time like, around hospitality and in nightlife and meeting the right people before you ever took that leap and brought the concept to life? Not really. Not really. I mean, you know, for, I mean, the thing is, because I lived in Manchester for a long time, I lived there for eight years, and I came back at, what, 26? And then when I was at school and college, I was over in Worcestershire. Uh, so, but because through my filming stuff, I'd been filming for the likes of Mixed Mag, so I was travelling up and down to London a lot, doing a lot of work for them for festivals, and, um, and I'm, you know, just through partying at the likes of Face. Face was obviously one of my, one of my favourite nights out, and been, I was working in the, I was working part time in the bar in Mosley as well, which was a cross, which I'm sure some people know back in those days. Um, and I met the likes of Scott Bleeps through Face and Lee McDonald, and um, yeah. it just, it, it, you know, when it started, I started filming for Face, so I had that contact there. So it's like, you know, it just sort of again just fell into stuff, and um, you know, I remember talking one drunken night to Scott Bleeps about going how we wanted to set up a street food nightclub, and then again. The, age-old question of what street food and doing all this and um, went from there really and you know we, as the conversation went on Lee said well we're looking at to open up this new place for life and it's where I met James Swinburne and um, you know as time went on me and James became business partners on this and that's where it's grown from really so me and James have um, really grown over the last nine years together. Yeah no that's great it's nice how it's organically fell into place as well you know with you naturally meeting um scott and obviously lee as well i assume through through doing face but i think most of the guests i've had on was um a bit no so i'm trying to get before yeah it was definitely before my times i mean i was school in 2010 and that, that's when the Birmingham scene was kind of at its height with uh, Likes of face and below, so I bet, I bet you had some decent hair up there, mate, back in the day. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> some bad ones. Uh, I'm, I'm a lot more state now. I've got the two dogs and like married, and um, <laughs> I can I can't get especially during lockdown. I can't get past nine o'clock. So um, I mean that's probably one of the benefits of actually running something like DDC is because we don't really go past eleven o'clock. So. Technically, I can. I, I don't get into too much trouble because I'm home by about eleven o'clock usually. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> so I'm not. I'm not told off as much as I used to be. Yeah, that, that's good. It seems like you chose the right trade, then, mate. With the the emphasis on the, the the hospitality and the food rather than like the after parties going on until God knows what time on a Sunday. Well, uh, we all know they're gone for a long time, so you know it's. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, definitely. So. Yeah, with, with the inspiration behind DDC then and bringing the concept to life, you said it's, uh, it was August 2012, wasn't it? The first one, because I've seen that classic 
photo from the archives where you've just got like a couple of street food vendors and everyone's holding up their umbrellas because it's a uh, classic starts hammering it down um on on the day so how how long was that in the pipeline behind the scenes or was it kind of you, you thought of it and you kind of executed it and ran with it straight away well we, we I mean originally i mean me and mark uh i mean mark mark's not you know mark has always been around with this but he's um because he works for the traders like with the trade association it's you know conflicted so it's keeps it separate and it's like you know, so he's not involved on, on that level but um we wanted to set up and i you know we wanted to bring it here and i approached the council and we were looking to try and get the red cage originally which is just part of the mailbox so we wanted to put it on top of the roof there because we've been going to um uh frank's bar frank's Kambari bar down in peckham a lot and we wanted to replicate that um you know saying that i mean like the views from south london across london is fantastic in peckham but i'm not sure you get to say the red cage in part of the mailbox but the, 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 the um the, the, the idea was there that didn't come off and that's really when we we started talking to the guys down um in digbeth and we just felt like digbeth was the right place because we wanted to get that sort of dirty industrial vibe going on that sort of like plays quite a big part in that sort of alternative i mean obviously with street food now it's gone very mainstream and i think that's just part and parcel of when things start to become successful it's accessible to everyone then that's great yeah but back in those days we were trying to be quite cool like through all my videos but if you look at some of the early videos that we did like i was trying to be subliminal messaging just getting my best we've gone down to the first street feast and i've done some filming down there and got my best mate to talk about street food's going to be the future i mean god we were going on talking about street food's going to be the future for years and you know i think we've been proven right so it's <laughs> so like that but it, that was so we started in june and we started talking about how we're going to do things we, we said we'll give it a go for a weekend, so we try for a weekend, and it was a success. We had like we got original payment. I mean, that's when Tom and Scott were still working for Luke uh, as fashion designers, so they were like doing that part time. You had Meat Shack, um, first one, and I'm, I'm afraid I can't remember the other trainers. We had um, some, it's been quite, we've gone through quite a few over the last few years. Um, yeah. But they obviously, they those two have gone on to fantastic success and opened their own restaurants, and you know, rightly recognised as having a couple of the best burgers in the UK and it was we really thought we'd cracked it you know we was busy people came in the rain we're like yeah we thought we'd absolutely done it and uh we'd solved it and we were the best thing since sliced bread and then uh we we, we launched a month later and I can say that for six months it was absolutely shite we were literally paying our mates to come down um you know we, we none of us have you know even like this all of us were sort of finding our way we, none of us knew what we were doing um, you know, yeah, been involved in running club myself, you know, obviously James had been, so had Mark, you know, Dr. Lee, and all these people, lots of people involved. But none of us knew what we were doing. That was the bottom line, we had two trades a week. But slowly and surely it worked, it worked its way up. I mean, you know, we got better, we worked out the music policy, you know, we, we started to pick up more traders coming in, and it was, it, it, it sort of just naturally progressed, and it's one of the so the mantras that James and I try and stick to is you let things grow organically. You don't try and push it. It's yeah. Like, it sort of goes hand in hand with how we've grown over the years. Is we we just slowly do it and look for ways to improve. Mm, no, that, absolutely. I think it, it's uh, it's really nice what you said. Then I was going to elaborate on it further. Is, is people I feel especially from from my generation, you know, like mid twenties and even more so. Yeah 
your early 20s and, and late teens, um, I've got this misconception. I look at people dying on social media and think, oh, no, uh, the, the owner must be a multi-millionaire. Like, they must have been smacking it like all these years, but they don't see that journey from when you, you first start out and realise that even now, you know, it's not all glitz and glam. There's still probably, you know, a lot of sacrifices and the way that COVID-19 has affected your ability to operate on a normal level and, and trade, uh, there must be a lot of ups and downs along the way. Yeah, I mean, you know, you know, it, it's obviously, you know, before COVID, you know, we were at our highest peak, you know, we were getting six to 8,000 people through the doors every weekend, you know, and it, that was that was seven years, seven and a half years of hard work. I mean, the thing is, look, I, you know, we, we, we do have a little bit of a chuckle, I'm not going to lie, you know, when you see a lot of people try to replicate what you do and, they, they yeah. try. They try and go too big, and it's and you know it's um we you know the first year of DDC, I was very lucky that I lived with um, one of my one of my best friends and had her mum in the house, and her mum let me not pay rent for a year because I put my heart and soul into this, and I couldn't. Yeah. Have rent. You know we didn't make any money, and but we persevered and kept it going every week despite it you know not washing the space at all. Um, and that you know, it's only in the last couple of years that it's really started to take off. You know, we, we, we you know we, we've grown as a sort of business people as well, and we, we, you know, we've got a great team around us now. And um, you know, we, we, we get a lot of professional help, uh, professional advice, sorry, not help, um, that um, puts us down the right down the right way. It's it's a it's a big thing that you know, like you know, it's uh, people don't realise it's it takes a lot of work to do stuff and you know they don't see it i mean it's great seeing how busy it looks but there's a lot of work we're working seven days a week generally a lot of us and um you know we've luckily got a team that absolutely you know buys into everything we do and loves doing it and um makes it work i mean that's the whole thing and i think that's the same for a lot of people i know especially in birmingham this goes back to one of the original points that we made about the sort of the attitude that it has in birmingham is it's full of people that you know there's the ones at the top of their games, um, the ones that put the time and the effort in and, and, and have gone through the hardships. I mean, you know, there's a lot of people that we partner with that are all in the same boat. Yeah, so that's the thing is that if, if you do it for the right reasons and you're, and you're in it for the passion, you'll be willing to take, um, you know, like the, the knockback and the hit, whether that's, you know, like physically, emotionally, financially, because you, you, know, you really believe in it and, and want it to work. Whereas if you're just in it for like a quick paycheck, I mean, like I say, sometimes people, I mean, p- people can be in it for the right reasons, but maybe they make that bad call and judgment by going too big too soon. But you only have to look at that photo from the archives from that first one. You are clearly better off um, in, in most cases, I think, starting small, but thinking maybe just gradually growing it more and more because, you know, it probably went too big at the start. You blow your budget completely and it's almost game over before you've even started you've got so many opportunities to, to, I think it's a good, it's a, those early days are a great time to sort of harness your, harness what you want to do and, you know, see where you can take it. I mean, and then grow it naturally and, you know, not been afraid to ask for help, you know, not been afraid to speak to the right people. I mean, you know, it's, we, we've, you know, we've always taken advice and help from various people in different industries that, you know, and helped us to sort of point us in the right direction. Um, yeah, and that's helped us grow. I mean, you know, it's and it's you know, it's just that's the best way to do things. Yeah, I, I, I really like the point you made there as well about um, always being willing. To, oh, I think I, I 
I've definitely been guilty of it in the past. You know, you, you want to kind of put up that front and act like you know, all, but you know, you're probably still learning now, even several years down the line. You know, you've always got to be willing to, you know, have an open mind and be willing to take advice off the right people. Because if you go in there with a blink of view and think you know it all, it's almost inevitable that something's going to go wrong and the ball's going to be boxed sooner or later. Yeah, I mean, but, I mean, you know, we, that's, it, it's, it's about surrounding yourself with the right people, and that's what we try to do. Yeah. You know, when you very first started out with, with the interview that I saw that you're referred to as, as the founder, was James Swinburne part of the original crew or did he come in at a later date? Who were your like original crew members around you? Uh, well, I mean, no, I mean, you know, James, uh, James and Mark, you know, Mark was very much my conciliary, shall we say, on everything we do. Um, but uh, James, obviously, we were about six months in, we became business partners, but he was the owner, one of the owners of the venues. So it was, you know, we were working together anyway, but it just seemed natural to sort of merge the two. And it was certainly um, the best thing to uh, make it work. Yeah. It's funny because uh, I was speaking to Andy Bell and Andy said it'd be good to get Swinney on. And I said, to be fair, in a normal environment, I would have loved to have got you both and did the dining club and done a professional setup. And I spoke to James. And he said, there's no point getting me on, mate, with my Volvo my, 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 my accent. No one will understand. <laughs> You'd you have a hard job getting him on camera. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I suppose it, it might be for the best to have like, him operating behind the scenes and you're the, the eloquent Northampton accent. The, the, uh, the, the, the I, don't even, I, I don't even know what a Northampton accent sounds like, so I don't know what you're saying there. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so, with um, James coming in a couple of months um, later on down the line, when things started to take off, um, when did you start to like, grow, grow your team to, to what it is now, when, you know, choosing the right people? How, how did you go around that, that vetting process? Not necessarily with the traders, but just your inner circle behind the scenes. Uh, it's, you know, funny enough, I mean, like, we've got... I mean, um, you know, it's been about... I think my brother's been working with me, so my, my younger brother... He works for us. He does all of our social media. So I was I was a bit nervous about you when you said start a video on Instagram because I haven't touched Instagram in ages for us and I thought I'd break it. But he's the one who does all the fantastic work on our social media. Um, you know, and has made it really successful. One of the most popular, well, one of the most followed uh, brands in the Midlands. And you know, he's he, he you know he was straight out of school and learned it all on by himself. So you know, he's done a great job. And we've had, um, you know, we've, you know, we've got. The, all the, we just try to bring in people that we know understand the brand. I mean, that's the key thing. Um, you know, we're, we're surrounding ourselves with people that are, uh, that, you know, have worked in the events industry. I mean, we've got, you know, people like, you know, people like uh, uh, Bobby, who runs all of our events, head of our events. You know, he used to run Bigger Than Barry, you know, the likes of Sam Bayless and uh, a couple of others. And um, again, probably a bit, bit before your time. Um, which is great, part, great parties, we'll say. Um, yeah. I've heard so. about Shorters, and uh, I think Mikey Brain said he was involved with that as well. But I have seen, I've seen the videos of Shorters playing up back in the day, playing bigger than that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but you know, so we've got, we, we surround ourselves with people like that. We're all a bit older. Bar, bar my brother, he brings our median age down to about thirty-two. But you know, we are with through the um, the charity stuff. You know, we are putting a big drive on to. To, to you know to, to recruit younger people now and especially from vulnerable families so that's going to be our next step but we you know we, we work with a lot of freelancers and we work with a lot of partnerships so we bring a lot of 
their, their influences in. And, you know, we've got, there's a lot of camaraderie within our, within our family. We call it a family because that is what it is. And, you know, you can tell from that with a lot of the trailers that we've got that have been with us for almost day one. I mean, we still work with the likes of, you know, like Vision Patman, for example. Um, but, you know, like, it almost, we, you know, we've got a high retain rate because we, you know, we, we, we try and give it that sort of, like, nice family sort of environment. And I think that's sort of quite intoxicating in itself for a working, for a working capacity. Yeah, absolutely. I think that, that's a big thing for anyone listening. And I know that it's um, a little bit different, but it, it's all the same because it's it's a business. Is you know people who uh, come to me and say I'm, I'm I'm trying to like start my own party or you know in the long run I want to grow it to, to this level. And I've been lucky. You know, I've had mentors like Will Power and Shorters. You know, thrown massive parties over the years. But it's all the same. You know, if you're going to build a team around you, you want to keep in-house and um, so that people understand the brand they know how to bring vision to life people you can trust to, to do a good job because sometimes all you need is like you know the, the odd person who just doesn't uh pull their finger out they're not and they're not really passionate about the brand. it's not going to um work long term and you're constantly having to, to change the people so i think that, that's a big thing for anyone listening i think that applies to most rules of business and um, having the right people in your inner circle. I think trust is probably a big thing as well, isn't it? Because hospitality, yeah. I imagine, is just as cutthroat in ways as, uh, as the likes of uh, the nightlife industry. Well, I mean, no, I mean, that's the whole thing, but we, we cut across so many swathes of, of, of industries. We're not just hospitality, we're the events industry, part of the nighttime thing, but, you know, we, we do so many different things. It's, you know, you touch on different areas. Um, I mean, you know, again, it almost goes back down to the the background you know you think that we've got 100 odd traders on our books potentially less now because of covid but we also work with a lot of freelance pre, you know practitioners the bands djs i mean you know we work with if you, you come to your standard ddc weekend down in digbeth you know you've got a different dj playing for a few hours um in every in four different venues i mean so if you think about the amount, the amount of rotation it's it's great i mean you know that's another thing i mean like, you know people think it's just about the food but the, the the entertainment and the the, the, the the creativity and the culture is just important. I mean, you know, we've had our resident band from Call Me Unique. You know, she's just fantastic every month having it down. It's also Blue Moon. And, you know, we, we've got almost like the cream of the Birmingham's DJs playing for us every week, doing, yeah. you know, getting to play their own tunes as well, which is great. I mean, like, you know, yeah. mentioned Shorters, and we've had Shorters coming down, playing like, you know, complete different type style of music that you that most of his um made nice to play and you know we've got some yeah. of the old boys as well i mean like you know um like for example lee fisher i mean you know he's one of the old school djs from the 90s and you know he's a very very good friend of mine um phil gifford running wobble i mean like you know that's celebrated over 30 years now um you know they were all part of it and that and that and that's exciting in itself because you've yeah. got so many different people putting in, having the opportunity to play to a different crowd. And as it's early, they, if they are playing on late, so they get to go off and play somewhere else as well, but they get to play to an early crowd and, you know, get a decent audience. I mean, you know, it's, that's, that it's in itself is fantastic. And, you know, big part of that as well is obviously Dead Pixels. You know, Wes, who runs Dead Pixels work for us as well, he does all of our artwork and all the videos and stuff. So it's, again, it's all, everything's a lot in-house. And again, goes back to that family stuff as well. Yeah, 
I, I think I definitely have to agree with you about the creme de la creme meme. You only have to walk through the different... You've got Danny Kane in one, you've got Adam Shelton in another, then you've got Short, as like you say, there's just so many different uh, DJs in accent there. I suppose that's another thing organically, you know, you would have met a lot of those guys, I imagine, when, you know, involved with the media stuff or when you're just out and about on, on nights out, that you know they're good at what they do and, you know, yeah. they, they do now. Yeah, I mean, and, you know, I mean, and it, it's great. I mean, you know, that's probably at the moment. I mean, obviously, we've been able to maintain a modicum of work through, um, through uh, you know, the, the street food traders. But, you know, a big part of, of what we, what's going on at the moment is we can't, can't get our deep, you know, our, all of our artists into, into work as well. And, you know, that's the biggest shame that about, like, you know, like the, the, the stopping of music, that a lot of the events that we had to do, where we had to play playlists. You know, not having some of the, you know, the fantastic DJs or bands or, or musicians not being able to perform, you know, it, it, it was really upsetting. But, you know, let's, we, you know, we're hoping that we can get some of that back going and we'll see how, what happens in the next few months. Yeah. With your point around the, um, the, the freelancers, because I think that, that's interesting. So I think some people like to keep generally um, in-house and keep it quite tight-knit. Um, who, who do you normally go to, um, you know, if you're like bringing in people that maybe from outside of Birmingham, is that just through your own knowledge or will that be, like you say, from that professional advice where you can trust people that you've like established relationships with to then bring people in? Well, I think we've been very lucky that we've been able to establish so many different relationships that, you know, we can just make phone calls to, to various people to ask for help. And I think that's, you know, it's always been great. I mean... You know, I'll give you a good example of the guys down at the Aaron Hounds. I mean, we've worked with them in partnership over the years. It's, you know, I'm gutted that we can't. We haven't been able to get the King's Eve Dining Club back in the go, but we've, you know, we've done a lot of stuff together over the years. And, um, yeah. And on that from left foot. Um, you know, yeah. it's, it's, it's been able to give people like that a call, on, you know, like, if you need advice. But that's, that's again, goes back to what Bernie's like. You know, there is that, you know, there is a lot of, you know, I think... You know, we're, we're quite lucky that we get on with most people who is quite happy to, to help us, which is great. I mean, you know, we, we do a lot of partnership work, so we do we work a lot of different areas as well within the city. So, you know, yeah, it's been, we've, been, we've been very lucky in that sense. Yeah, it's really nice when it works like that, though. You know, the fact that you have relationships with all those different, you know, um, you know, that will benefit them because you're moving over to another part of Birmingham, so you know, the, the local economy in King's Heath is going to benefit. Um, you know, the hair and hands will benefit you will as well. And I think that in a way um, is something that I feel like a lot of people have learned from COVID that, you know, like pre-pandemic, you know, sometimes it's very much in some cases uh, dog eat dog and, you know, everyone wants, you know, do really well for themselves. And sometimes you forget what's really important, but especially like now, more so post-COVID, I think, working together and making sure everyone can benefit is probably going to be the route to go down because it's tough enough out there as, as it is. Well, that's, it, it certainly, that sort of policy for the next year is going to be, you know, the partnership strategy is, is, is something that we're, we're, we're looking at. And, we, you know, you saw that over a little bit with, uh, last summer when we, we went into partnership with Warwick Castle. Uh, yeah. You know, just for example, I mean, obviously that's a big one, but you know, we launched, we wanted to launch basically Britain's best looking beer garden, which was, you know, with big one of Britain's most beautiful castles in the background. I think, I think we went a long way to achieving. 
I, I certainly think it is, but you know, my, my legs differ, but I think it's quite cool. And um, that was, you know, that was that was really fun. And I think, you know, it's it's having that slowdown because we've been running at 100 miles per hour for so long. Yeah. Seeing that, what we can do, you know, we're certainly looking at the new ways and new innovative ways to 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 to, to go forward and um, show people a good time. It's, and again, you know, it's I think I think a lot of people are hankering after, you know, like this belief that. You know, once we're open, everything's open, everyone's going to go crazy. You hope so, but um, I think it's going to be very difficult for people. And the more that people can help each other um, to get off the ground, you know, it's, it's going to be better. I think it's, it's going to be really key to, to everyone's future is, is supporting everyone because it's not going to be easy. There's no point pretending. It's going to be very difficult, especially in the events industry and especially in the hospitality industry. Mm-hmm. I think there is this uh, unreal open expectation, sadly, from some people that it almost go to everyone's got the vaccine and then all restrictions will go and it'll be back to normal but that's just not realistic it's probably going to be have to come back gradually like you say working together and you know just trying to keep your head of water in some respect until things can go properly back to normal is probably the best way of approaching it, isn't it? yeah exactly yeah so i know that we've we've already mentioned that that classic photo from uh, from august 2012 with um you know a couple of couple of vendors and everyone's got their umbrellas up with the weather but um and i appreciate we've already touched on it briefly obviously the the roots of the brand are, are clearly from like very humble beginnings when it, when it first started off um so like in, in terms of I know you said for the first couple of months, like you weren't really making anything at all, and you're probably in a in a bit of a beneficial position where um, you said you were living with um, your friend, and the, the mum kind of let you let you get away with the rent for a bit whilst you were putting your heart and soul into uh, the project. But when did things start to pick up, and how long was it, like in terms of the struggles before you started to see like real progress? Um. I mean, obviously, there was that first year where we won the, the, the British Cheapfood Awards, and I think it, that's when it sort of it it it, it, it went from being this little secret for, for little for foodies around the city that there was this thing going on, and it was like you know, oh yeah, let me show you, take you down to these back streets and dig, but to go and try this. Which you know, if you're if, you know if you're adventurous in any shape or form, you're gonna you're gonna love having. But it was I think winning the Street Food Awards, it sort of put us in the spotlight, uh, local, the local media, they started talking about it. Um, because I think, you know, especially then, I think Birmingham was desperate to, to attach it to anything that was positive for the city because it's wanted to attract people. I mean, like, there's a lot of investment. There's, you know, if you break it down, there's a lot of investment going into the Bull Ring and, you know, Grand Central and all that. And that was, that was just starting. So anything which could sort of, be culturally sort of bring some cultural tourism you know this is potential and we did that people started coming more and then we started putting more trailers in we won it again a second year in a row we won some other local awards as well uh and then oh, i'm just i'm actually just looking at the posters i'm gonna give you a chronological order i can see the third birthday picture here so this is in 2015 so yeah yeah i mean we had like about so we i think we started doing street closures um, um Again, you know, talk, talking about people helping, I mean, we had Dan Pike, you know, unfortunately he's left us in terms of, you know, unfortunately died a few years ago and was very influential in, in sport and the knowledge and work with the likes of the rainbow. And I think, you know, if you talk to anyone within the industry, especially in Digworth, you won't hear a bad word about him. 
the amount of help he gave to a lot of people, including ourselves, and was always a source of um, help. And that's, those street closures really started to cement us because like, well, we're having block parties and big birth regular, but he'd have some food, have a little boogie, and then you know go off to a club afterwards. And it was cheap as well. We were doing it like you know two pound entry, and there wasn't you know it, it was again it was just like you know he's talking about that sort of feeling your way stuff. It was like well, this sounds like a good idea. So we people were enjoying it, so we started doing it monthly. And then, you know, we thought, well, you know what, we could take this on the road. I think people really enjoy it. And then we speak to Simon Jones who opened the medicine bar back in the day. Yeah. Again, before your time. Because when I was 16, 17, going. <laughs> There's a lot of my time. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, but, you know, Simon Jones, you know, obviously big influence in, in, on mine, and um, especially when I was 16, 17, so I was going down to the medicine bar. Um, again, from Adam Reed, who's working there back in the day. Um, yeah. And the... Uh, so, you, know, the, you know that but he owns a bakery over in Cottle, north of Wolverhampton, and we um we went over there and uh, just did that. And that was successful. And then it was like, oh, we could do more. And then um, Rachel, who ended up working for us, she was looking after events in Coventry Cathedral, and said, well, let's go there. And so we decided to set up in the middle of you know the, the Bond Outcomes Cathedral, and that was so it just everything naturally organically. Karen was like, oh, that works. Let's carry on doing that. Let's go that. So we eventually, as you know. As you probably think, you know, we've ended up doing 20, 30 on sites now. <laughs> and we just, you know, we, our summer programme now is based around booking in various locations around the Midlands and taking it on the road and showcasing traders. And it's it, that's the exciting part now, is showcasing everything. And not, you know, I, I really, really enjoy the summers now because it's it's almost like our festival season where we go like as a touring, a touring circus. And, you know, my wife goes mad because I'm up at five o'clock in the morning. <laughs> and I don't, you know, it's like it, that's the whole thing. I still really enjoy being down at the, 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 the involved, like the um, in every aspect of the events. I mean, you know, with Fred Click and Collect tonight, I came to Hockley, and you know, I'm getting out. I've realised the floor was greasy, so I'm there, really mopping the floor, and all of all that stuff. It's you know, it's it's it, 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 it grounds ground, you, yeah, and um, but it, it, it's so exciting doing all that stuff around the Midlands and seeing people enjoy something that you've been doing for years. And, you know, I think you can take it for granted sometimes that it's it's part and parcel of what you do, you know, oh God, you know, we have to look back to doing this again. It's like the dig bit, like that was, I, I never, you know, after, after after seven and a half years, it was like, well, you know, it's sort of part and parcel of what you do, but actually forget if you're coming down for the first time and you're paying a pound to come in, you've got, Bands and DJs and all this food and lots of different things and it's like a maze. It's it, you forget it's quite you know it, it's quite a good experience really. Yeah, definitely. And, and for, for every generation, I think that's you know it's nothing you can enjoy more than seeing so a generation from every fam from a, well family with every generation there. I mean, my family's no different. They all love coming down. I mean, you know, it's I've you know my grandparents and my mum and stuff like that. You know, you've got your little nephews, a toddler, or just a couple out being a toddler. So it's it, that's that's where things become nice, and you can see that wherever you go, and that's intoxicating itself. No, absolutely. I think I think that's a really nice thing because I mean, when I first started going to Dickness in 2015, I, I definitely the, the events I was going to, I definitely wouldn't have been a grand and uh, my niece. But that's what's really nice about. Digbeth Dining Club is it, is it literally does cater for everyone uh, and I think it is good in a way that you know Digbeth is, is starting to go down that direction you know it's not all about raves and after parties um, 
you know an, an area with the investment that's going into it that is that is catering for a lot more people but the you took the words out of my mouth to be fair about the expansion and, and moving out of Digbert. so I understand that, I mean I think you said there was more than that but the the normal like circa 13 locations are the likes of Longbridge Cottle, Warwick, Kingsheath, Shrewsbury that's where I was born actually I'm, I'm from Shrewsbury but uh, good choice mate with Shrewsbury because it's there's a fair bit of money around there, to be fair. Yeah, well, funny enough, it, 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 a lot of the times we choose locations based on if we have some connection there. And, you know, we yeah. have some connections in Shrewsbury, or like, you know, we have, you know, like, you know, you think about the knowledge with Wolverhampton and Coventry, everyone we've got with places where a lot of our team or, or t- friends, you know, like people we know, we've got connections there. So we're not going in blind. Um, yes. Yeah. So I think that's important as well, is... You know, it, it, it's, it's understanding what an area needs or wants at the end of the day, not, not what they need. Mm. Yeah, that, that's what I was going to ask. So, um, with you going from Digbeth, what year was it when you started the expansion? And I'm assuming that it wasn't just, you know, you went from Digbeth and you went, yeah, we'll do Coventry, Warwick, Wolverhampton. Was it you tried one area, if that worked, then try an area? Or was there any trial and error where you it's... tried and it didn't quite work out? Yeah, I mean, there's been lots of that. I mean, we've tried areas. I mean, you know, we, we, we generally get it right, you know, but there's been a few. I mean, you know, Longbridge is one that we've, you know, always loved. We've done it for years. And, you know, there's a young population there that live there. And obviously, you know, you, you, you think you, you understand the history of Longbridge. It's such an important area for the city with the manufacturing, and obviously the Austins and the Rovers there. Mm. Um, and that's, you know, that's somewhere that we really, you know, we're, we're, see as a key area um but i oh god i mean you know my, my brain is very fuzzy now when, when we started things but i just know we've done a lot <laughs> so <it's, laughs> we have a lot more penciled in for when we can get back out there so it's um you know it, it, it's it's an enjoyable aspect of the, the business because it's you know we get to be creative we get to get to try new things and new areas and Mm. You know, see, see if it works. I mean, you know, you are a slave to the weather with what we do to a degree, but I mean, you know, it's part and parcel of the business. Yeah, absolutely. It's, uh, that's what I noticed on the website is, you know, the fact that it's the, the emphasis and, and the passion, and, you know, you've already said the satisfaction from being able to make sure that everyone in the Midlands can enjoy street food. It's not just saying we're in Digbeth, if you're not travel, then tough luck it's you know you're going out to them to cater for their needs because i think that's something that i probably took for granted and i think a lot of us do that you know i live on newell street which is in the jewelry quarter so i'm literally like walk and it's something that's it's on your doorstep and you take it for granted and it's only when you come around where you realize actually how big the, the, the dining club is you know even when you were saying before about the work that's gone into the socials you realize how big the, the following is and um and how much has um, has been there? But would you say that's um, that's part of the reason why you wanted to do it as well? I mean, I know there's business growth, but it's that satisfaction from being able to go to all these different places and um, see people enjoying it. I, th- I think it's it's natural growth. It's you know it's it, it's also you know like we've, you know every year we have to take on more traders because we get more popular. That's been the bottom line. So it's like we you know we, we when we take traders on, we, we again goes into that family mentality and we, we want to try and get as much work for them as possible now that you can't achieve that just in Digworth. So, you know, we by putting out stuff we want 
you know, we want to see people doing well. We want to, and that I think, you know, we, we've proved that with how many of the traders have worked for us. You know, this is not saying that we're directly responsible for this, not in any shape or form. But you know, a lot have gone, have gone on to open restaurants, and and we're so pleased to see people that want to make that leap do that, and it's and it's brilliant to watch. Um, and, and you know, we, we, we want to take on new traders constantly because it's I think it's good for you know, like you're coming down, you want to try something new at the end of the day. So within that sort of mentality, we want to you know create more work so people can have more sustainable life. It's you know a lot of people to give up their heart and soul for this. Um, and, you know, they give up full-time employment to go ahead and do this. So we, we, we always try to make sure the quality's high and, and give people work. And, the, you know, it's it's just, it's just that's, you know, the big, big part of why, why I, me and Mark wanted to start this because we really cared about this industry where we wanted to see people go off and be successful. And I think, you know, it's, it's, it's relative to what we've done. We've tried to always make sure it's affordable for customers. In terms of you know what we do, um, you know you, you can go. I mean, like you know, I'll give you an example. If you go to some like an everyday food festival, and I won't name names, like some of the bigger one, national ones. I mean, like you're paying a ridiculous amount of money to get the same um, experience or lesser experience, as far as I'm concerned, is what you get. What yeah. you, prefer, you know, so it's it, it's a it's about for me, it's it, it, it's about making things. You know, it's as satisfying for the customer as possible, <laughs> possible and, and enjoyable. Yeah. Um, and, but cost effective. I mean, you know, if you've got a family of four, you, you know, it, that's, it, especially now, you know, like there's, there's so many, diff, it's so difficult to find things for them to do. If you want to go towards the towers, well, that's a 200 quid day out, 400 quid for four kids. I don't know. Don't have any kids yet. But, assuming it costs, I mean, it's 30 quid a ticket, isn't it? So, you know, it's like, you know, it's yeah. really space. Obviously, I think I prefer to go on rise and eat burger, maybe, but I don't know. <laughs> so, maybe a bad example. Yeah. I think that's what you need to do, mate. You need to get some kind of, like, theme park or something, some uh, some waltzes or something, maybe, in uh, in Dickworth Car Park, then you can have the best of both worlds. Living there, 
whether anyone's going to be able to afford to buy any flats anymore is a different matter. Um, yeah. And I, I think it's a, I think there's a little bit of a shame because oh, you know honestly I think <sighs> we know we knew with HST is coming and it's that's going to be sort of like the the, the port door the port for for Birmingham now in terms of coming from London and um, if if I think. It, 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 Digworth has got the potential to, to lose its heart and soul. Um, I mean, yeah. you, know, um, you can see that with, um, you know, I think what COVID has done is made people realise that maybe some of the suburbs are going to be more important. I mean, you know, you look at Sturgeon, I mean, it's fantastic. I love a night I mean, I live, you know, down towards King's Eve and I'm in Sturgeon a lot. And everything that's going on there, I mean, you know, especially places like Vietnam, um, you've got all the breweries, you've got uh, like stir stores. Um, all these places that are popping up in search is fantastic, and you know that's just one place that you talk about. Kings Heath has got you know great stuff. I mean, for years Mosley, and I'm you know my family lived in Mosley, and it was always seen as the sort of bohemian central, wasn't it? But you know, it's not, yeah. so it's not so it's not so key anymore. I mean, you know, better words. I think I think well, if it's just natural that you know once a place becomes popular, you know you do get things developing. Hopefully, you know. Uh, people will, um, you know, it will still retain its soul. But who knows? I mean, unfortunately, you know, like I'm, you know, we're, we're I think we're just as much as in the, the loop as um, a lot of the other sort of the, the creatives, shall we say, that are in big mm-hmm. what's going on. Um, you know, we just hope that we can still have a home um, to go to in the future. Yeah, but, I think know. I think I think that's one of the main things, and then I've only been going in and around there probably about six years obviously yourself a lot longer but it would be a shame to you know see what it what it was and what it still is and hopefully it doesn't become somewhere that's overly gentrified and it loses that real heart and soul but we'll, we'll have to see anyway and um, I, I know that we've already touched on um a couple of points and obviously it's not about um highlighting the negatives but i'm always keen Whichever with whichever guests I bring on this podcast is to really emphasise uh, you know, some of the more difficult times over the years. Um, I suppose it probably is a bit a bit of a stupid question considering the circumstances. But um, would you say, like, with the knock-on effects of COVID, that's really tested your resilience and you know really challenged you to adapt to the ball to a whole different level with everything that's gone on since last year? I, I, I think it sort of. It's, it's been incredibly difficult, I'm not going to lie. Um, you know, we haven't been able to go back into Digbeth, and the fact is, with social distancing, you know, the venues, it's been built to be, you know, um, almost like a maze. And the shame is, is that with social distancing, we can't get enough people in there to justify opening it. Um, so, you know, we've, we've had to spread our wings a little bit um, and, you know, look to places which got bigger. I mean, I think it sort of plays in with, with all the events that we've done on outside and you know all the experiences that we've had over the years it actually really helped us that we were able yeah. to turn on, turn on the sixpence basically so we were able to pivot which it's a phrase i really hate and i hope once this is all over we never use the word pivot again to describe that <laughs> in a sentence because it's just so, so annoying but it we were able to sort of like make you know critical decisions to sort of improve stuff i mean we um, we worked with our friends 26 to build our own software for Click and Collect. Um, 
And, you know, we got that going within a month of lockdown and that saw us through. We're the only ones doing click and We did it on a, on a really good level. We brought in a lot of our independent friends from breweries and restaurants as well as street food. And we did that and that was successful to a degree. Um, and then obviously we started Warwick Castle and Cumberland Cathedral and Longbridge and those were quite successful. So we, we were able to, you know, tread water um, so far. And, you know, we're doing click and at the moment. Yeah, a lot harder, it's a lot colder. Um, and, you know, we'd much rather be putting on some fantastic events, but it's keeping our guys in work and our, my, our main sort of um, priority at the moment is making sure that we have traders that are able to work when we're back. I mean, unfortunately, the support that for a lot of food traders has not been forthcoming. You know, if you, if you are a venue owner or tenant, you know, you can get a lot more support. And we were lucky that we've gotten in Hockley. Um, that's been able to help us, but you know, for a lot of our traders, they've had no support at all. So our priority has been getting these guys back into work, and yeah. and making sure. And you know, the fact that you know, with no support, they've done the, all the help they've done with the charities is is testament to their fantastic nature. Um, and you know, the, the good spirit and the, the humanity that a, lot, that a lot of the people that we work with have. Yeah, absolutely. Now, huge back to to you guys. I mean, from from March last year, how quickly you adapted and evolved considering the, the, the climate and the circumstances to do the click and collect. I mean, it, that's the shame, isn't it? Is there's, there's so many creatives, but sometimes with the nature of either your business or where you're set up, you, some people just lost the capacity to operate at all. Like, for instance, um, parent homes, like it wasn't viable for them at all, was it Adam, Adam and Matt? And they kind of had to... To close no, the no you know, and I've seen, you know, the guys and, you know, they're just one of many that have been severely affected by this. And, yes. you know, this goes back originally to working together in the future to, you know, we all should be supportive. I think, you know, I think people genuinely have to, you know, like, you know, make sure that they're doing everything they can to support each other. I think you know, it's important. And, um, you know, it's it's just it's, it's, it's key. That's as far as I can see, really. I mean, I think it's it, it, it's awful what's happened, and it's, I, don't, I don't think it's going to get any better, you know, short term. Mm-hmm. And just hopefully, you know, as many of us can all come out of this together, um, because you know, Birmingham has become a really great place. It'd be such a shame to lose that momentum that I feel like it's been coming for the last five years. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, if you can give us a, a sneak peek, what are your hopeful plans this summer? Because I know last year you did... Did you do Warwick Castle last year as well? Yeah. Well, we, put, we went into our second year for Warwick. Uh, so we're going to be doing... You know, we, we, we're going... I think the key is, I think, we, you know, we know what to expect with COVID. And a lot of the plans are around socially distanced events. Um, hopefully with more entertainment. That would be, that'd be fantastic. So we can really, um, you know give people value for money and um you know we it, it, i think the key thing is is we're looking at you know you we're utilizing spaces which have got enough to, to to have large capacities and i think people will be especially after this lockdown it's been tough this lockdown and i think mentally i think it's been tough we're all a bit bored we're not we're not breaking banana bread we're not making i'm not i've certainly haven't fermented anything this time um i had lots of fermented chilies last time but they don't have that anymore um but i think it's just been tough and I think people will be ready to, to at least just get out and just be out in sunshine if it's the, if we have sunshine, especially if I just don't want it to snow again. <laughs> I 
absolutely. What would you say, other than COVID, like along the years, I know you mentioned the early days, what would you say your, your other biggest challenges have been when you know, you've been developing the business and maybe taking those risks and making those sacrifices? Uh, well, t- t- I mean, I think I feel, you know, everything now is, is mainly a calculated risk. I mean, I think mm. the early days was always a risk, but I think going into any new space was a risk. I mean, you know, just just by the nature of how we've grown, our sort of budgets have got larger. And, yeah. you know, especially during COVID, I mean, you know, Warwick, Warwick was a massive risk for us because we had to invest a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And it cost us a lot of money to be there every week. I mean, luckily it came off. I mean, we sold out pretty much every night for nine weeks. We had fantastic weather, so that helped yes. us. And we reinvested a lot, you know, we reinvested. But um, it, that was a huge risk for us because it was like, well, we, we, we could have gone bankrupt, basically, if, we, if it hadn't come off. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's not to say that it was, you know, massive success for us because it was very expensive to run there. Obviously, if you imagine working at a site. But it, it was, it was for us, it felt like a calculated move by putting us in partnership with such a iconic and um, culturally relevant sign mm. for the UK, not just for the Midlands, that it would, Absolutely. Keep, it would keep our brand relevant. Yeah, when I promoted this podcast, that amazing photo that Daisy Denham yeah. shot um, of Warren oh, Castle. I, I have it on my wall in the background in the office. Yeah. I'm about to see it in the background. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, uh, and Monica, because uh, they're great photographers and they always they always capture the magic of Digby's Dining Club. But um, how did that idea come about then, Warwick Castle? Because I think it doesn't really get much more ambitious than doing an event there? Uh, well, it sort of came around with Bobby Barnes, who works for us. Um, right, I've had a conversation with Warwick Castle, we laughed at him, but um, he's, he's quite a charmer, is Bobby. Managed to him. <laughs> so um, they, uh, they, 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 they let us into their grounds. And the, again, the rest is history. And I think, you know, they're really pleased with working from us, from, from what I understand. And, and um, hopefully we've got you know some more exciting opportunities with them in the future. Yeah, and like I said, I know that it probably doesn't get much more ambitious than Warwick Castle, but it, I know you said you had like a laugh about like Warwick Castle, and then it happened. Have you had any other kind of similar ideas about doing something that's really you know like edgy, pushing the boat out where people think, oh my god, how have they landed that? I think the one one of the most controversial ones has been working with Villa. I think we've um, upset a few uh, fans, but bear, bear in mind, you know, like we're all, um, we're, 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 you know, we've got fans from every team in our lot, but Villa, you know, moving up the Villa, that was a good one, and that was quite satisfying for myself, seeing my name there. Um, yeah, it, there's been various ones, I mean, you know, we, we, we've been really lucky to partner with some, some really interesting opportunities, like Town Hall Symphony Hall International Dance Festival, we did some stuff with Made Festival in the early days. Yeah. Uh, we did, you know, it, it, we, we, we helped uh, curate a um, section for the Cheltenham Festival for the horses, which mm-hmm. was great, which probably not the best thing to go to last March when it was probably considered a super spreader event, but little did we know. Um, yeah. yeah. Would, would you ever look at taking it overseas or do you think it's something that's more suited drastically because of the culture um, and the idea? We've had opportunities. Uh, it just never really come off. Um, it'd be, I'd, I'd, I mean, I, I'm, you know, I'm very much in contact with 
uh, organisers in the street from them. It's, it's quite a it's quite a cottage industry, the street food industry, and everyone are friends or acquaintances. And um, you know, we I've been you know we've been talking with my my sort of acquaintances in Germany who run a lot of scenes in Denmark and Germany and Austria about doing a sort of you know overseas party together. But it did, you know, I don't think with Brexit that's going to be happening anytime soon. We won't even get past the border at this rate. And uh, as the problem now, it's, it's not just COVID. Then you've got Brexit on top of that to try to deal with. So it's just so many obstacles at the moment. Well, let's just hope it all gets sorted. Yeah, fingers crossed. So I know that we have already discussed the pilot with the free school meals, but um, I know you mentioned in huge respect to you guys what you've been doing since last October, um, supporting those that are struggling. So um, I understand that was set up in Northfield, was it? Um, and you feed on average around 500 families every Thursday. Yeah, I mean that was that was started from the half term thing, and we did a just giving, and we raised quite a lot of money, and you know we with all the income, sorry, all the, the the donations that were given from that, we, we we were able to run a weekly, and we managed to carry on. I mean, all that money did run out, but we managed to sort out grants, we was saving the process set up the charity. Um, um, can you uh, basically, you know, like we were able to um, set up. You know, we're in the process of setting up the charity, and you know that's going to be a big part of what we do in the future. Yeah, that's policy. I, I like as well when I was looking at um, the, the thanks you gave to just a few examples. You know, the roast turkey was from uh, Butter Belly that you had, the ham and gravy from Chef Shack, pigs in blankets from uh, Fat Snags, and um, you know, like so many different people coming together to, to to give back. And I think that's what's nice is. Like you say, all those years of um, you know keeping that tight knit family organic, and um, you know like nucleus in times like these. You know, from obviously clearly from from speaking to you, I get the impression you try and get on with as many people as you can. And it's times like now where you can reach out to those people, and you know you'll they'll work for you, and you'll all you'll all help each other. So it, it is really nice uh, how it's come about. Which you know, that's probably the the most satisfying thing you've done in, in recent years of what, what you've been doing since October onwards? I, I, do you know what, we, we, you know, I, I think, you know, as we've grown, we've, you know, we've slowly and surely increased our sort of, um, the charitable element of what we've done. You know, there's various things that we've done, you know, over time. We've clicked and clicked, you know, we started donating towards Jones Hospital. We've done stuff with St Mary's Hospice over time, you know, St Mary's Hospice has a you know special place for the lots of us in the team. Um, there's various things that we've been involved with over over the years, but we haven't really done enough. Done enough, I think. And I think again by accident, which is a big part of how I sort of fall into things. You know, we 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 really found something that's you know uh, got fire in our belly on this, and I found that it's something that we. I think we, just not myself, but a lot of the traders that we're working with, all fundamentally really believe in, you know, like yeah. the right, the right that you know, children should be fed. You know, yeah. I think it's, 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 it's not, it's a simple matter, um, of a simple human right. And you know, the fact that we're, you know, considered a, you know, a first world country, and now we've got children that are starving in this country, you know, I, I think it's fundamentally wrong. 
but it feels like so much more and found so much more importance. And actually, we've got a platform to make a difference now. We've got a voice and, you know, people do listen. And I think more than ever, that's crucial to, to doing it something good, not just, you know, not just, you know, you're, not just for your own good, but also making sure that everyone else is looked after. Um, and, and that's probably, you know, at the moment, that's probably something that, you know, considering, um, you know, uh, what else have we got? Um, I think it's just, it's just generally just, you know, it's, it's, it's just, you know, just the level that you've come to, yeah. you know, and, you know, that nothing, nothing feels unachievable now to a degree. It's, uh, we, we, we sit in our office when we're allowed and social distance and we're, yeah. especially at the moment, but when we're allowed to sit in the office with the team, um, it's, it's having that ability to come up with an idea, you know, how, how silly and, um, seeing if we can run with it or we'll create an idea. I mean, you know, it's, you know, we've got, we're, we're hoping that we've got a really positive future. And I think having people like that around me that, you know, want to go off and create ideas, you know, which we are a food-led business, but we're, we're a lot of everything. That's, you know, again, that always goes back to what we are. It's not just about the food anymore. It's about everything. And having that ability to go off and um, just create everything, it's just, you know, I think that's more exciting than anything. And that's, yeah. that's a proud moment because it's, it ties in with having that, you know, that freedom um, and, and, and sort of, can, I think it comes with a little bit of age as well. You're not so scared about trying things. Yeah. And just coming back to the, the, the point you made around like hiring the, the right people, um, what you were just saying now, like when you're all together in the office, that's one thing that I've realised, obviously things I'm working on are like, you know, years off the, the, the level that um, you're operating at. But it, it gets to this stage where, in the early days, you think you can take on everything and you can do everything, but it gets to the stage where you realise, I need to hire someone who's amazing at social media marketing. I need to hire someone to do the event side. Um, with that pretty early on, did that take a while where you thought you had to delegate certain roles to certain people so that you didn't drop the ball and so you didn't really take on too much work? Actually, no, I, I, not... It's not been a mega moment, but I always wanted to do everything myself originally. I struggled to, to let go. And yeah, I think once I realised it's better to, to delegate, I mean, you know, like, so I don't touch social media, me not being able to work out how to do this. I managed to work out, but you know, like, it's, it's, you know, obviously with me being able to do video stuff in the back in the old days, I mean, I, I haven't picked up a camera in years because we've got our in house, you know, videographer and graphic designer. And, and handing off. The, the roles of the I, I, more my role nowadays is just making sure everything is working and ticking along. Um, and you know, I, it, that's that gives me a lot of satisfaction is just making sure that all the cogs are turning over still and everything's working. And um, having that ability to hand off is, is, is been brilliant. And also because my wife was getting really annoyed that I was always <laughs> out, so um, you know, making sure that I've got time at home, you know, is is is, uh, is, 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 is great. I mean. You know, I think that's what people forget, and I'm still guilty of it. But I certainly make sure. I mean, like, you know, it's like this weekend. I'm going to have to, you know, from tonight, we've been helping out tonight, but I'll be off for a weekend, and I won't turn my phone on. I mean, like, you've got to have those moments, and I'm very bad for it. I'm not saying I do it, but I'm very, I try and do it. No, it, it is a big thing, though, and you know, when I've spoken to um, obviously yourself now, but people like 
Andy Bell, um, even Wilf Gregory, who's uh, like a festival director for the likes of Hideout and Animax, Lost and Found. He said that, you know, there comes a stage where because the operation grows to such um, a substantial level, you have to be able to come away and know that the roles that um, you've delegated to people, you can just trust them to do the job and you can come away and you don't have to be on your phone 24-7 because otherwise the, the fun of running the business would, would probably go because you'd be fretting all the time. And Yeah, yeah. It's, it's exactly that. And, um, but, you know, and I, I certainly mentioned it earlier, I think this time out, as, you know, it's, it's re-evaluated what we're going to do and how we're going to, you know, what we need to bring in to make it to make it a, a better work-to-life ratio. Yeah. Just before the last question, and also just before uh, your wife has a go at me for keeping you away too long, um, what would you say have been the main success stories? And you said it's been been really nice with you supporting some of the guys that have gone on to open their their restaurants away from Digbeth Dining Club. What are the main success stories that have come out of Digbeth Dining Club? Um, I mean, obviously, there's the restaurants. I think, you know, I can't remember the count off the top of my head, but, you know, you've got loads of great restaurants that have, been, that have become um, a part of uh, the city. I mean, you know, I think I saw a really nice uh, image, a drawing image on, on Instagram the other day. It was a picture of Independence drawn by Jerry Young Bickley. And... Um, you know, I could see like Bates and Brick on there, me, Shark, original Patty in there. And I just, and, and, you know, loved it. Loved it. Really loved that. And seeing a lot of people that we've been associated with as well. Um, I think, you know, it's just, I think that's a big part of it. This is, you know, this is it's giving a platform to people to go off and do what they want to do. It's, it's been great. I mean, the musicians we've had through, um, yeah, I mean, there's, 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 there's so many different lovely stories of, that we're so lucky to have, you know, been surrounded with, going off to do their own thing, and it's just it's great. I mean, that's, I think, but seeing traders broom as well, I mean, you know, I think it's what I always bring up. I mean, like, you know, look at someone like Lawrence Slope, for example, you know, he was just a, it's a hobbyist in the back garden, you know, he loved to barbecue, and now he's, you know, like, he's lauded as one of the, sort of, the barbecue sort of experts will will meet experts in the, in the country and I think it's it's really nice to see people develop as, develop their skills and their love and their passions that's 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 really key yeah definitely so the, the last question I mean in, in some ways you're probably considered especially with COVID a bit of ardent veteran since the first BBC in 2012 and um, you know obviously you've experienced great success you've been through some of the the ups and downs and adapted in uh, especially a volatile environment at the moment um, I don't like to ask the, the the generic question too much like what are, what are the secrets to success because I was listening to a podcast that Rue J did the other day um, so you probably know Rue from uh, like Funky Bear and Vivid Inc and he was saying a lot of people message him saying oh Rue like what's the secrets to success in business he goes you can't really it's all about not giving the secrets but I think sometimes you kind of just have to play your hand at something and, and work it out along the way. But with like food and drink or just like business in general, to anyone out there who listening or listening back, maybe starting their own thing, what what advice would you give them from like experience that you know you've you've gone through over the years? 
I, I think the most important, you know, there's, there's some key fundamentals really. It's like, don't be afraid to have a go. I think, you know, I think people spend far too much time dwelling, dwelling and not, not just doing it. I think, you know, as long as you weigh up all the pros and cons and you want to do it, sometimes you just got to take that risk. I mean, you know, after everything I've pretty much done, it, you know, in my build-up to this, has been taking a risk. I mean, um, you, you know, and I've had elements of that times where I've had absolutely no money. But, you know, you come through it, you know, and, you know, you can build it up again. Um, I think, you know, just, just, I think just trying to be as, as, as kind as possible to people. I think you can't be everyone's friend. But yeah. I think that's the mistake people make is, you know, you do to you can you can be supportive and friendly, but you've also got to do what's for your interest of yourself to a degree. Um, you know, it, and when, what I'm trying to say with that is, 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 is making sure that you're not putting yourself out too much. Um, I think you see so many people doing stuff for free, um, like creatives, you know, photographers. I mean, you know, it's it's really it's, it, it, you know it's you know they, they're doing favors when you know if you've got a skill, you should be paid for it. That is the bottom yeah. line. You know. I've, I, you know, I worked as a freelancer and, you know, expected to be, you know, as a freelance cameraman and, and the editor and I expected to be paid for my work. Um, oh. and, and, you know, the big key mantra is just pay fucking bills. You know, you know, if someone, if you've got, if that's someone to do a job, get them to pay them. You know, it's, yeah, you know, it's, 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 it's a bugbear of mine. Coming from a freelancer, it's like, you know, it's, I think too many, too many people, um, you know, grab that do that which isn't a great isn't a great yeah. thing um, that, that, um, that picture around exposure when I think it was a, a DJ for instance would say to a promoter oh, have you got any sets and they'd say um, yeah there's, there's no wage there but I'll, you know, it, it, I'll pay you an exposure and he's like oh that's fantastic my rent this month is 500 exposures doesn't really do <laughs> I mean, you know it's, it, it's one of those and um, you know We've, we, I think that's how we surround ourselves with so many great people, because you know we, we, you know we, we try and pay people properly. Um, and but I just, I just think you know, just, just try, you know, always try and be kind to people, and like you know, as best as possible. I think you know, we, we always get a lot of interest, and unfortunately, because we get a lot of interest from food trades, we can't always respond to them. But we do try and make it clear on the application form. But it's, it's hard, it's hard when you're getting bigger, like we have, to always. Have give everyone an opportunity. Yeah, so it's just an unfortunate situation. Um, but it, I think the key thing is just you know just have a go. I think yeah. you know, but don't expect immediate success, which I think is a is a trapdoor that a lot of people fall down. Mm, definitely, I think that's one thing I, I just wanted to add as well with, with you saying about how you vet a lot of the traders that you take on. Is it's not just the quality of the food. I've noticed how just the overall service that's, that's delivered. I mean, you can be very good at what you do, whether it's um, like the food or the drink, but if you're not delivering, you know, like really good customer service, then that's that's a big downfall. Whereas I've noticed all of the traders you work with, they're all, you know, really high You can tell that, you know, the passion goes into it and they appreciate every customer that, that, that buys off them. Well, that's the thing. We're not just looking at food. We're looking at personality as well. And it's important because it's, it's our working environment. We want to make sure that the people around us people we want to work with I mean you know you could have the most fantastic food but if the person's a dick <laughs> just don't be a dick well, it's, it's basically days one of our I didn't want to say that but just don't be a dick 
<laughs> they actually one of our managers. It's, it's something you know we don't. It's it's something you know we just want to we just want to be able to have come into work, not having stresses, and, and um, you know have a good time. Yeah, so definitely. Like, like, <laughs> <laughs> now, I really appreciate your, your time, Jack. I know you're a busy man, but hopefully I'll, uh, I'll see you for a Buddha Belly, mate, post-coach. All right, thank you very much. Cheers. Nice. Take care. Thank you. Bye.